Hi, and welcome to another episode of that podcast. I'm Dave. And I'm Bo. And today we have another guest with us. We have Frank de Junger. Have I said that correctly, Frank? Yeah, close, Almost, close. It's, close. Oh. it's uh, If I would pronounce it, it would be Frank de Junger. It's like, Frank is fine. My, name, like my last name is totally optional. If I can <laughs> yeah. claim the, the one Frank in the PHP community, that would be amazing. <laughs> um, but yeah, for the people that uh, may or may not know me, I'm, the, I'm one of the people behind the PHP League. I'm the uh, maintainer of uh, Fly System. Uh, so if you've used that, then uh, I'm, I'm that guy. So, yeah. And fly system being a file system abstraction type thing, yeah? Correct, correct, yeah. It's, uh, is that built into Laravel now? Like, is that part of... The- yeah, yeah, it ships, uh, ships by default in uh, in Laravel. I think it's shipped since Laravel 5. So the installs for fly system skyrocketed uh, <laughs> as soon as uh, Laravel 5 hit. It's been a... Uh, yeah, it's been a crazy ride because... It, uh, it it costs so much exposure. Um, uh, also, many uh, GitHub issues, so a lot of work. But um, all in all, um, it's it's been a it's a bumpy but uh, exciting ride. So yeah. Mm. Well, speaking of it being a lot of work, um, I noticed you've recently put up a Patreon page because you'd like to work on more on Fly System. So if anyone is using Fly System. Uh, and fancies uh, dropping dropping Frank a few dollars. Uh, they should go check that out. We can link that in the show notes. Um, it's uh, something um, I'd really like to. I, I'm not I'm not using it yet, but I want to actually get on there and start dishing out a few dollars here and there. It, it, it doesn't have to do. It doesn't have to be a lot, does it? But just uh, sending a few dollars to a few projects I use would be quite nice. Um, yeah, if like if everybody would it's like if you're a developer and you spend an hour on something. Uh, your client uh, gets invoiced like, uh, well, depending on where you live, it's uh, somewhere between, uh, well, let's make the range a little bit broad, like anywhere between uh, $60 and, uh, you know, 200 maybe for some excessive uh, super smart people uh, to charge that. Um, Like if you save an hour and still deliver and sell the functionality. It's like the amount of money that you've saved yourself and the client. Uh, that's quite immense. And especially if you look at like the, the, the big popular projects, then, you know, helping people out like that is, uh, is immensely important. I think that's the one thing that I miss in open source is a, uh, a model of, financial stability it's like i don't even want to break even on this i just like uh <laughs> i want to uh uh feel like i'm not sacrificing uh, my uh holidays uh and not in terms of time alone but also in terms of i cannot go on holiday <laughs> like financially <laughs> yeah no, but i think another thing with it is it's actually just a really nice way of getting a really a really well uh a serious thank you if you know what I mean, like it's not just clicking star on GitHub. It's you know people putting the money where the mouth is. They're literally you know saying thank you. I think it's really cool. Yeah, that's also why I always try to sell my clients on uh, getting uh, um, what's that private packages uh, product again? Um, packages.com. dot uh, 
Well, you've got the... the and they used to have Torrent, Torrent proxy. Yeah, Torrent proxy. I always tr- mm-hmm. try to, uh, to, to sell uh, the client to use that. Like, it's, it's an easy sell. It's like, uh, you'll have increased stability and you won't be mm-hmm. dependent mm-hmm. on uh, stuff. And they're like, yes, where do I sign? It's like, <laughs> all we need to do is uh, to, to give them the direction of... Uh, contributing financially to open source and most clients uh, i've encountered are very willing to do that yeah cool so is is that what you do when you're not doing open source awesomeness are do you are you consulting or what it, are you working for somebody now uh, yeah i'm um, i'm freelancing i'm uh, i i've never actually had a job mm-hmm. as in i've never worked for a company um uh, so it's all just been um, like first I was just a, a code monkey for hire. Now it starts uh, to be more like a proper consultancy. So people don't just hire me to write code anymore. Uh, if they have uh, complex problems, uh, uh, complex systems, and uh, they want smart people to work on that um, I'm l- lucky enough to to be in a group of uh, uh, companies and freelancers that get asked to do these uh, things. And uh, when some of my friends uh, make uh, some uh, big promises, uh, uh, they also uh, uh, get me on board to help deliver those promises. So it's uh, it's exciting. It's uh, diverse. It's uh, it's complex. It's uh, yeah, everything I like basically. Cool. Yeah, it sounds like a really good description of a. Uh, I imagine what quite a lot of people do, but you. Uh, I think that it's something I've I've never I've never worked free as a freelancer, so I'm aware of people who work as a sort of uh, a group of freelancers who you can you know you can you can direct people to when the work doesn't suit you, or you can help people out when they need a bit of help with this. I think that's great. Yeah, yeah. When I first started out, uh, I really aspired to have that group of freelancers where you just like share work amongst each other. But what it turned out to be is like, that's normally not the case. It's just everybody has so much work that you're trying to work together on projects. So you're constantly trying to align. Okay. Uh, this project is maybe about to, uh, to happen. Can you free up some time to, uh, to, uh, work with me on that? And, uh, so it's, it's, it's more like that than, Mm. Uh, the classical picture of uh, having a resource pool of of jobs that you pass around, and, mm-hmm. yeah. But it's cool. uh, it's enjoyable either. It's like it, it's uh, it's all the it's all the same to me. Mm. So uh, one of the reasons we uh, we asked you to come on the show was uh, you, you're about to launch a new. We call it a library. Or we call it a framework. We decided. We're definitely calling it a library, a and library. I'm very okay. particular about that. <laughs> okay, no, that's good. I, I like to be specific about library or framework. I, I've always in my head about when I see a sub, something how I like to describe it. Mm-hmm. So go on there. Let's give give us an introduction to event source. Um, so for the last couple of years, I've been doing a lot of event sourcing in PHP. And with me, uh, that, that group of uh, other freelancers and, uh, and uh, company owners uh, I work with have all um, uh, been doing event sourcing, but um, we weren't using any of the existing tools because mostly what we do, we don't have a holistic 
but we do everything CQRS. We do everything purely event sourced. Um, like we don't have this. Um, I would, don't want to be condescending in a way to other tools, but not not a really dogmatic approach. So it doesn't have to be uh, event sourced all the way. Um, and if you look at the existing tools, um, they're uh, they are more of the holistic approach. Um, so for the last couple of years, what we've actually done. Also, because we worked with a lot of uh, other developers on the job that actually needed to learn about event sourcing, we've created multiple uh, event sourcing frameworks at the client that we insourced. So uh, for the last, I think, uh, three or four years, I've just been recreating uh, event sourcing libraries. (laughs) So after a while... Uh, it was very easy to start seeing a pattern. Uh, one, um, they started to uh, look more alike uh, and got refined uh, more and more. Um, but also, um, they got a lot simpler, and they got uh, they put uh, some of the tools that other frameworks would push back more to the foreground. And um, because we had insourced everything, all the developers were really in control of uh, how how they would do event sourcing because, you know, you can do event sourcing in, uh, in various ways. So after a while, it was just time to, um, uh, to distill a, a library out of this and explicitly a library, not a framework. So it's a tool you use to build your own event sourcing framework with sort of, uh, or you can just keep it um, a library. So the, the goal of uh, event sauce um, is to be this layer, like, uh, like event sourcing sauce that you pour over your application rather than it being the meat of the application. So that's, that's uh, kind of how I got uh, to the name event sauce. And uh, I like my corny uh, library names like Fly System, so uh, I thought this uh, kind of fit the same uh, level of corniness. Cool. I like the logo. Thank did you. Did you do the logo? I did the logo. Yeah, it's uh, pretty awesome. Yeah, it's uh, somebody uh, told me uh, recently that it looks like uh, the Heineken E because it has the smiling E and it looks uh, kind of like the, the font <laughs> that they use there. So I don't. I hope I don't get any. Uh, uh, design lawsuits on my ass now, <laughs> <laughs> no, but no, it's got okay, uh, um, it's uh, it's nice and simple. It's recognizable. It's uh, uh, yeah. I, I I sort of thought it looked a little bit like the heart bleed. Oh, logo. for real? Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Well, <laughs> let's hope uh, we don't have those kind of uh, security issues. Yeah, yeah. But, oh, that's uh, cool. The, the the good thing about it is that uh, event sauce in. Um, in itself is uh, is so small and it's so easy to take charge of how you do event sourcing that uh, uh, basically by design those things are fixable by yourself even if there was an mm-hmm. issue so what are the uh, what are the biggest wins that someone gets from using event sauce like what what are the um, big components that sort of make it uh, fully functional like if you look at like a system like Broadway or 
proof. They they make a big deal sometimes about the individual products as a whole. Like, but which 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 things do you actually get from Event Sauce? You get like, Event Store. Do you get uh, Event Bus? What kind of things make this library? Okay, so um, it's heavily focused around developer tooling. So uh, what you get, what I like probably the most, is how quickly you can start. Uh, modeling and uh, testing. So uh, by default, it ships with uh, base class test aggregates. Um, so you can uh, set up a base test class, uh, set up an aggregate root, which is just an implementation of the aggregate root interface. Um, you can use one of the uh, uh, a predefined aggregate root ID, or you, but you're encouraged to uh, create your own because being specific for uh, identifiers, especially in type, is, is hugely beneficial. Um, you can do that and you can start modeling. So that's like in, in three relatively easy steps, you, c- you can start. And what, what I've seen a lot in the projects that I've been doing is that... Um, um, if you use techniques like event storming uh, sessions and then use that information to um, quickly uh, uh, create uh, commands and events and start modeling using, uh, using those, uh, those classes, um, if you can speed up that process, you're going to get your lessons a lot earlier. So the feedback loop is incredibly fast. So we've... Um, uh, we've done a lot to to make that process as smooth as possible. So you, you get the uh, base test class to uh, start uh, testing. Um, it has a fully functional in-memory um, uh, message repository, which is basically the classic event store, but then um, with some um, headers uh, that you know, carry uh, metadata. Um, so it acts just like... Uh, a normal uh, event store would do, uh, but it's fully in memory. Uh, so it's all bootstrapped for you, and you can. Uh, the only thing that you have to do in a base class is um, set up how you want to handle input from a user. So uh, it uses a, a very descriptive uh, given when then um, uh, format. Um, this makes it so that you're actually not doing any unit testing anymore. You're, you're doing sort of like system integration tests, but not uh, everything without the framework. So you can actually use uh, services that you would use in uh, inside your uh, domain model. Um, you can use that there. So um, everything is is real. So the, the value that you get out of your tests are, um, yeah, they're really, really valuable. So... Being able to bootstrap a system system that fast to to start getting feedback is uh, is a big win. Um, and the other things is that we uh, uh, we made everything uh, really small. So the event uh, interface, which today got its uh, final polish, it, uh, the interface is just two methods. It's a uh, to payload and from payload method, which basically only uh, ensures that you can uh, serialize and deserialize it. Uh, so it's that small. The commands, they don't actually exist. 
you don't need to use uh, commands. So there's no interface. And so if you use your own type of command uh, bus, then you're free to do so. So there's no restrictions there. Um, because events and commands in event sauce can be so simple, we've also made sure that you can use code generation in order to, uh, uh, to, to just generate the commands, including test helpers. So uh, the, the classes... Uh, and those test helpers are optional, by the way. So you, you can uh, specify that you want to create it, uh, like want to uh, define your commands and uh, events using YAML. And then you can say, well, I've got example uh, values, and those are the defaults for uh, when you're testing. So this makes testing even easier because all the uh, default information that you can use in your test are available in um uh, additional uh, cons- uh, like static constructor methods. So all of this is all designed to uh, to make you more productive, uh, to get you started quickly, uh, and also get you started without large investments in uh, on the framework side. So you don't need to set up a queue. Uh, you can even do event sourcing in production without queues. So the whole projection system is designed in such a way that it can be synchronous and it can be asynchronous, um, but it's basically just the wiring and how you set it up that determines how uh, how it will behave. And you're because um, those components are also so simple, um, you can create them yourself. So. You are in full control. You can use any kind of uh, storage that you want really easily. You can even use the file system to store your uh, events. If you just want to uh, write JSONs to disk, uh, you're free to do so. Uh, So all these things, um, keeping things simple and keeping it so that the developer who is using the library can be in full control of what's going on are uh, what I believe uh, make event source a really uh, powerful um, option for event sourcing. So you uh, you actually have support for projections in event source. Yeah. Is what's the what are the interfaces for that? I'm just curious. I I didn't think that was a part of this at all, and I'm not sure if I'm looking at the right spot. <laughs> okay, so I've also got. Uh, docs, which are at uh, https um, eventsauce.io slash docs. Um, mm-hmm. I see. There, uh, I've, I've uh, like the majority of the, uh, not code, but the majority of the text committed to the repository is actually documentation. For the last um, couple of uh, weeks, I've just been writing human documentation with examples with actually using um, uh, use cases uh, example code but also not uh, not purely focusing on the how but also focusing on the why you would do something mm-hmm. so uh, because I also think that a lot of people who are uh, kind of leaning towards e- event sourcing, uh, if they look at the big tools around there, it can be kind of daunting to start 
using that and there's like a whole body of knowledge that you need to acquire or um, yeah acquire in a small period of time and um, Mm -hmm. i wanted to keep that that level of entry as low as possible without Mm -hmm. compromising the integrity of the design i think yeah yeah i just took a quick look at the docs and i see where the projections and process managers are discussed and i like what i see (laughs) (laughs) it's because there isn't there, there aren't projectors and there's no process managers. They're all just consumers. They are all um, just consumers because in theory, yeah. that's what they are. They happen right. to use the information that they get from the event system in a different way, but that's all to them for, uh, for event sauce itself. It, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. So yeah. it also encourages you to, um, uh, I think, by not calling it like process managers or um, or projections, um, mm-hmm. it allows you to also not be constrained by those two concepts. Yep. It allows you to um, uh, break out of the boundaries of uh, what uh, classical or um, idiomatic event sourcing is, because mm-hmm. I think that's uh, what what developers should do. They should mm-hmm. know where the lines are, but they should feel confident and free enough to paint outside of the lines if it's uh, if it's right. needed to do so. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think also looking at this, um, you and I actually got into a discussion about process managers versus sagas versus just doing it with an aggregate route. Mm-hmm. Um, seeing this really helps me understand your viewpoint (laughs) i could see how yeah it it doesn't matter what they're called really it's just how you use how you use the uh the core utility that is a consumer yeah yeah Mm. so you're uh, you're free to uh to Mm. have your own interpretation you're free to like design patterns don't 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 fall out of the sky like people with their experience can can explore Mm -hmm. and discover new patterns that work well for them so uh, by keeping this interface named in a very generic but only um, specific way for for how uh, for what it consumes um, Mm -hmm. then what it does is totally up to you that makes sense to me i mean uh, you just said those uh, design patterns really matter when you're trying to put them into a framework of some kind don't they yeah i i can't remember i does i does Broadway offer process managers and sagas or one or the other? Or, I mean, it's been a while since I've looked at any of this stuff and I've never used it. I've only, you know. It has um, reference implementations for uh, sagas, I believe. Um, yeah. It has so, uh, I mean, predictions. So if they hadn't called it a saga and they didn't provide the saga, then the user would be there to be able to make their own mind up about what it's called, what it does. And yeah. so I can really see what you're doing there. Yeah. To, and also, I. I think it's it's really important for people to um, see the value in that uh, they can uh, provide tooling for themselves. Uh, if the design of the core system is is so uh, simple uh, or well defined that you can extend it in uh, in a meaningful way, and uh, you can create your own abstractions around it um, to again, boost your own um, developer productivity. Uh, I think that's a really good move for them to do. Yeah. Create your own tooling. That's Mm -hmm. uh, uh, make your tooling domain specific. (laughs) 
that's uh, that's one of the best uh, advices I've uh, I've got. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, nice. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I think Bo's uh, Bo's probably written about three uh, event <laughs> sourcing frameworks by now, or libraries by now. Nice. So yeah. He knows. He definitely knows all about that. Uh, I've I, I've never actually uh, put anything event sourced into production at all. <laughs> but I'm I, because I've uh, because I've been friends with Bo for so long. I've uh, discussed it to death. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I feel like I'm probably fairly knowledgeable on the subject without ever having done done it in the slightest but are, are you uh into front-end uh stuff no i i'm i'm mostly back-end i've just never got into the whole oh, event no, source. I, d- I didn't mean it like that I, I um i thought maybe if you were into front-end you might have used something like redux well no i'm 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 very naive about the front end, but I understand when I heard about Redux, I said to Bo, like, isn't this just event sourcing? And he said, yeah, it is. I was like, why is it called like something else for them? And why don't they even seem, they don't even seem to mention event sourcing. No, no, no. But the, the pattern is slightly different. Because uh, oh, okay. in event sourcing, what you're storing is uh, the transactions. In uh, in Redux, uh, you're, the uh, Redux can be seen as a consumer of a stream of events, um, but from a uh, projection kind of side. So you've got a very complex projection system that works on one big uh, ball of state because that's beneficial for React. Um, But um, uh, there are tools, and I think uh, like uh, Redux uh, Monitor is one of them, or React Redux Monitor, or Redux React Monitor. Mm-hmm. Um, it actually uh, allows you to create like a timeline, so you can have this uh, scrubber that you can uh, mm-hmm. uh, pull and just um, go back and forth in time. And that is actually um, more like what uh, event sourcing uh, is, because then uh, by using that, they hook into that stream and persist it and allow you to. Uh, playback um, portions of it. So that's their monitoring uh, solution is actually the same body of knowledge as event sourcing, which is uh, pretty nice. It's kind of, it's almost inverted in a way though, too, because the UI, like if you look at a pure react app that doesn't talk to an API, for example, you could look at the, the actions that are generated based on, user input as an event stream of sorts and then how it persisted in state is is sort of like the projection so it, i mean it's it's kind of similar but it's not exactly the same uh but yeah it, it it does have some things in common or at least some pieces look like an event sourcing and cqrs style mashup yeah 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 that's actually i i used i think redux before i did my first real big event sourcing system so in a way, I was event sourcing in the front end before I was mm. doing it in the back end. So, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think the other th- the other thing about the work that, at least as I understand it, that Dave's been doing is that that project's been around for a long time, right? Oh, oh my project. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, I pretty much don't. I've only worked on this project for the last few years. I don't. I don't have any side projects that I could yeah. dabble with or anything like that. So, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I do. Um, I do a lot of event recording. So I actually do raise events and I actually record them just for the audit log, but I never source from, from said events. Oh yeah. 
No, Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. And uh, for a lot of cases, that's uh, absolutely the right way uh, to go because event sourcing is not a cost-free solution. Um, mm. Event sourcing is one of the more costly uh, forms of development, um, but it's also about being able to carry the complexity that the problem has uh, in itself. So if you have a complex problem and you um, try to fit it with a simple solution, uh, it might work. Um, it might work for a while. Um, but if you match the level of complexity of your uh, problem space in your solution space, um, from my experience, that's, uh, that's better in the long haul. So you'll be, uh, uh, yeah, you'll have more options uh, yeah. So for your um, event store implementations, uh, the the message repositories, I think you call them. Yeah. Uh, you have a doctrine implementation. Uh, do you have any other implementations? Uh, I'm working on an example project for Laravel uh, right now, and I'll be uh, releasing an example project for uh, Symphony as well. Uh, but for the Laravel one, I've just created a. Laravel message repository, which just used this, uh, all the internal tooling that Laravel provides. So it's mm -hmm. just a, uh, their, their query builder. Um, mm -hmm. for, um, uh, so, yeah, those things are so easy to make that right. I'm probably not going to ship a whole lot of them because I want people to take control of that. Mm -hmm. I want people to see how simple it is. Also, a bit to uh, demystify the whole event sourcing thing. It's like, that's also why I chose the terms uh, message repository and uh, message dispatcher because people know what that is and the, together they act like an event store. Mm -hmm. But uh, that, that concept in itself, yeah. yeah. Okay, so for your um, the, the the doctrine implementation that you're shipping, yeah, uh, the, the serialized. I assume the events are serialized and stored. Yeah, are they queryable or are they just serialized? Like, are you using any like fancy JSON thing where you can do queries against the events themselves, or is it for just the default? Uh, for the default implementation, um, it's just serialized, and the 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 events are. Uh, itself are stored in JSON format. So that okay. uh, the column type is JSON. So that means in, uh, in Postgres and MySQL, you can just query it using the JSON okay. functions. So that's fine. Um, but also if you have more specialized cases, like it doesn't do any indexing. So if you have a case where uh, you want indexing, uh, I would first off suggest don't use the event store for that use a projection for that mm -hmm. if you need it um, uh, but you can uh, because you can take control um, one of the more specialized cases in, in event sourcing is actually um, rebuilding projections um, there's also documentation about rebuilding projections in um, uh, in the docs um, so, and I don't know if you've seen it, but basically it says um, at this point of time, rebuilding projections of one of the things we're, that we're um, not going to ship um, because 
uh, it's very easy to create yourself. And this is mm-hmm. how people take control. Uh, rebuilding projections often is heavily influenced by the data that is projected. Uh, so if you have a case where you need to rebuild projections, um, your needs are going to be very specific. So if we create a generalized solution, everybody tries to fit their super special case into this generic tool, they're going to have mm. a bad time. So yeah. um, at this point, I'm like, yeah, let's let's not do it now. And, and also, let's, let's, uh, I hope that people uh, will use the tool because, as you said before, it hasn't been released yet. Uh, but when it's out there and people are actually using it, when and if, um, I hope to get feedback uh, from the users. It's like I have uh, rebuilt uh, projections uh, a handful of times. Um, also because uh, most of the times um, rebuilding projections is not my go-to solution. Um I can often work around it um, by using normal database migrations or it's like you can run migrations over your projections and just alter the data there as you would in a normal non-event sourced system. So um, you can still do that now, uh, which eliminates uh, a good number of the use cases where you'd normally just uh, rebuild projections. Like there's definitely cases where that's not an option and then uh, because everything is so simple in uh, event source, mm-hmm. uh, you can just take control. And that's uh, something I think I've written in the in the docs a couple of times. Like it's, uh, yeah. I encourage people to do that. So I, I recently picked up a bunch of books. Um, I, I sent Dave a few a link of a few of them, but one of them can't remember the whole title. But uh, the first part is the the secrets of consulting. Um, and, uh, it's very entertaining. I love, I love this guy's style. Um, but one of the things he talks about is, uh, selling your weaknesses as strengths. Um, and I feel like you're doing that quite well here, uh, like all over the place. I mean, event sauce takes an uncommon approach to tackle this problem. It does not tackle the problem. (laughs) And, and, you know, that's, it's a limitation, but you're selling it as a strength because you close out with, it means you can take full control of it when, and if you need it. Um, so I think, I think you're doing a pretty good job with your marketing there in terms of taking the things that aren't really available that you're kind of punting on in some cases, mm-hmm. um, and selling that as a feature, yeah. <laughs> which is pretty cool. But it's also like a generic, uh, rebuilding of projections. Um, mm-hmm. you've got this, um, like if you're a junior in event sourcing, then um, you're not going to rebuild your projections. Um, you're just going to create new ones. And hopefully you're starting out with uh, small um, uh, small event source cases where you, uh, where you just model a process. So if, if you introduce a new process, you can basically copy the whole thing and start off and let everybody finish on the old process the way they were and then introduce a new mm-hmm. process and everybody's happy, nothing uh, nothing is broken. And when you've acquired some more experience with uh, event sourcing, then you're like, oh, yeah, 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 I can really do uh, with uh, rebuilding uh, projections. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> and then you're going to run into all these problems when you're when you're doing that you're you're learning a lot but you're learning to think in um in 
events. You're learning to think in how this is a solution that you might apply. But in addition to that, you also have the constraints of the solutions that were provided for you. So instead of being free to basically mess around with it, um, fail a couple of times, um, but fail and get more experience in the theory of event sourcing rather than uh, hitting the limitations or um, boundaries of the tool that you're using. So I want it to be a pleasant experience, um, especially also for for newcomers, but also like uh, when, when you're further into the event sourcing um, uh, game, then uh, most often you say, well, there are generic solutions, but I've got this super clever way of, of not doing it the, the regular way. Um, and I'm just going to work around the system to do that. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, for those people, it's going to be an enjoyable experience as well because they, they're going to take that approach regardless. I, I like this approach. I like the sound of it. I mean, I know uh, Bowen, when you were, you were running a large event source system, you had some real trouble with uh, projections or rebuilding projections at scale, didn't you? Like yeah. with millions of events, trying to rebuild projections was yeah, a, it, it, a bit it, of a nightmare. Without without all of the full infrastructure in place to be able to do things like queue new events and shut that queue off so that you could replay it, you know, you, you're forced to do the replays in line mm-hmm. in real time. And that time started to take longer, longer and, longer and longer and longer. Um, and, you know, the, the side effects of seeing your data, let's, let's say you signed up a year into a company's business <laughs> and you're doing a rebuild that takes an hour um, and they, they've been around for a year and a half. You're not going to see anything at all on your account for 30 minutes at least mm-hmm. not longer. Um, the other thing that I've really started to struggle with and it's something that I've been wanting to try and find someone to talk to about it um, is when you are processing millions of events, it's very time time consuming to be serializing and deserializing them all. Um, and that starts to be like the serialization and deserialization process was something like 20 or 30% yeah. of uh, the time spent doing anything at all. Um, is that something that you've seen at scale? Uh, yeah, uh, but I've also seen a lot of creative solutions to work around this. It's like a lot of times um, uh, uh, people use headers to exclude certain events that they don't need. So that prevents you from doing any deserialization. So if you have a consumer that works off a queue, uh, that's also why the message has like a payload, which is the event data, and then has uh, things like the aggregate root ID and the time of recording um, and the type of aggregate root ID and maybe an event ID if you uh, decorate your event uh, with one for traceability. Those are uh, populated in the headers and all of the queuing tools, or not all of them, but a lot of them have support for headers so that can be parsed individually from the more complex uh, domain mm-hmm. events. So if you um, if you use headers, then you can do a lot of early exclusions. So that's beneficial. Uh, the other part is that people often use their normal projectors to get to the current state. Uh, I always say, well, uh, what if you if you didn't? What if you had? Um, 
if you had a, a, a read model and you had two implementations of that, and one that's maybe uh, something that's stored um, in a database like uh, Postgres or whatever, so it could be a, a doctrine entity. Uh, so one would be uh, an extension of the entity repository that's actually uh, persisting um, uh, the newly, uh, like it's retrieving a model, modifying it, and then uh, repersisting it. What if for the getting up to speed with the current um, uh, to the current time in the stream? What if you use an in-memory um, implementation of that read model or of that repository? So you have in-memory uh, repository. So basically, what you're doing is you're persisting your object in memory and then retrieving it again. Uh, so all your projection systems can remain the same, um, but you're just not going not to have that overhead of actually doing the persistence and therefore uh, really speeding up the process. Um, again, this means that you have to be able to be in control of how projections uh, work and how your uh, the underlying infrastructure of your event source system works. So again, this really plays into how event sauce is set up because you're able to take control uh, very easily, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Absolutely. Makes sense to me. Cool. Yeah. The, the, the various problems we had, uh, like the, the, this quickest solution was to be, a, you were talking about headers and things. Mm -hmm. um, my, my read models or my projections uh, eventually knew which events they were looking for. And we we were able to use that to say for this read model only get me these events yeah um, and so that started to like we we ran into like a uh, problems right away just because we were having to read everything that bought us some time but even even with that approach you know not all of the read models could actually do that some of the read models actually looked at a considerable number of events and it just wasn't feasible anymore so it, it is it is it is a, a fun problem if you're into those sorts of problems. And I think that's why. And also like, if you're into those problems, your business is probably doing well. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's like if you yeah. have rebuilding projection problems, congratulations, mm -hmm. you're probably <laughs> making money. Or you've chosen event sourcing and CQRS for the wrong domain. <laughs> uh, this, this happens. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I'm very fortunate to, uh, uh, like, as I, as I said, those people that I work with, uh, they don't mind mixing. Uh, so mm -hmm. we'll do um, an application that has parts that are CRUD, parts that are uh, really heavy on DDD, um, parts that uh, uh, get persisted on file, no databases whatsoever. Um, it's like we'll mi mix and match uh, all those kinds of uh, ideologies, yeah. basically. Like you see so many cults around each of these uh, specific implementation groups sort of say like we only do any everything event source or we only do everything uh, ddd mm -hmm. and it's like yeah well okay that's an option it's like uh, if you if you're selling event sourcing then maybe that's that's a good strategy but i'm mm -hmm. i'm i'm selling solutions to the uh, problems uh, my customer has so like i'm just going to see yeah. uh, what fits and also uh, mostly i um the aim that i um or the focus that i have is to make sure that i get the quickest feedback loop if that means to uh, quickly build something in crud that can uh, 
run for a month because the knowledge is in running for a month, then I'll do that. But if mm-hmm. the knowledge is um, uh, can be easily more easily be distilled from uh, actually doing an uh, event storming session or uh, doing the actual modeling, then yeah, if the process itself is complex, then we explore that. And so you you mix the mix and match the, the solutions you have um, uh, with the tools uh, that you have at your disposal. So basically, making sure that you don't just have a hammer. And nothing will look like a nail ever. <laughs> yeah, it's also nice. it's, it, it keeps um, it keeps uh, being a, a professional who writes code enjoyable for me. It's like being able to uh, uh, to choose and also to know why, and also to tell my customer why we went in a certain direction. Like most of the time. The reasons for doing that, it's it's hardly ever technical. Um, mm-hmm. More often than not these days, reasons to choose an implementation are uh, business-related. Uh, are, they are, uh, they uh, offer um, sometimes even company political advantages. So uh, there's a whole uh, spectrum that you can basically dig into and choose from. Cool. So did you have anything, any other questions that you had, Dave? Uh, no, no, that I can think of right now. Okay. Frank, did you have any, anything else you want to add or if you want to plug anything else or anything? Uh, let's see. I think, I think we covered a whole lot of ground on, uh, on event sourcing, uh, and on event source itself. Well, I just hope that, uh, people, uh, check out the project and if, uh, uh, they like it. Uh, I'm probably gonna add a Patreon uh, link there as well. And nice. if they want to uh, support my development efforts for uh, uh, Patreon, that would be uh, amazing. I just like one thing that I want to say about Patreon that I really like is um, like Laravel already put a lot of trust in the project by including it by default in the in the in their main distribution. Uh, but on top of that, they're also the largest uh, Patreon um, uh, uh, sponsor uh, mm-hmm. that the project Patreon, yeah. currently has. So, yeah, I just want to uh, basically thank Taylor for um, his continued support. And uh, I hope, uh, like, I don't want everybody to send the money my way. It's like, I want people... <laughs> in general who um who uh, give uh open source to the community to uh, to receive uh, funding like this so uh, do take uh, uh inspiration from uh, uh from how laravel and taylor uh tackle this and uh, support the community yeah definitely i'd say like i said it's something i want to do the reason i sort of i actually put it on my to-do list for the week um and the reason for that was I saw DHH tweeting about it last week. My favorite podcast ever, Hardcore History. They recently signed up to Patreon about a week or so ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that show. I, I Every episode's about four hours. And one of the things they talk about is, uh, well, not every episode, any, anywhere between two and a half to four hours, I think. And uh, they talk about book a show. That is, that's one of the things they ask for a book a show. So, I mean, it, it, 
it, I mean, I'll be paying, I'll be giving them more than a book a show, but to ask for just one dollar for four hours of podcast, you know, it's incredible. Um, so that, that, yeah, it, I feel like uh, it's been long overdue me going on there and contributing a little bit to some of the projects I use. And cool, cool. All right, well, thank you for joining us today, Frank. No yeah, worries, thank you, Frank. It was fun. Great talking to you. All right, we'll call it a wrap. You've been listening to That Podcast with Bo and Dave. You can find Bo on Twitter and Google Plus at Bo Simonson and Dave on Twitter at Dave Development. You can subscribe to this podcast and review it on iTunes. If you'd like to review us but don't feel like we've earned five stars, email us so that we can talk about your issues. You can also subscribe to this podcast with RSS from our website, thatpodcast.io. From our website, you can also sign up for our newsletter to get super secret extra content from Bo and Dave sent directly to your inbox. Like the music? You can thank Gorillo for allowing us to sample the track Dust Kingdom for our intro and outro. You can find Dust Kingdom and other tracks by Grillo at grillo.bandcamp.com, spelled G-R-I-L-L-O. 